two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and today we're talking love. Love stories of the Bible, actually, which I know that seems a little steamy for the Bible, so I thought I'd have to bring in an expert for this subject. Shannon Bream is the anchor of Fox News Sunday and the author of The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining me today, Shannon. We were just talking about how this can be intimidating, so I needed an expert. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know if I am one, Tudor. Thank you for having me. But I did dig into a lot of experts and put together what we know from the Bible itself, but from their thoughts, too, about some of these stories. I got to tell you, something like Song of Solomon, if you grew up in church or know anything about the Bible, was the one like we weren't allowed to read it in Sunday school. It's very steamy. There's the lot of back and forth between this man and this woman that obviously have an attraction to each other and want to be together. But I feel like that's in the Bible for a reason. Like, you know, God invented us. He created us. Mm. He knows what our bodies and our minds want and this this longing for connection. Um, but there are also deep friendships in the Bible. There are also messy friendships and romance stories in the Bible. And I think all of that is very helpful to dig into because I think of myself, like we're all flawed and um, so are the people in the Bible. And I find it comforting that we can learn from them. So I think one of the things that I always learn when I'm, or always experience when I'm in the word is that you see different things, no matter when you're reading, if you're reading the same thing years later, you see different parts of the Bible. It speaks to you in different ways. So tell me a little bit about the journey on this, because I'm sure you saw a bunch of things that you had never seen before. Yeah. And each time that I dig into the Bible and try to learn something new and and write about these, I definitely learn something new because as a kid, I grew up going to Sunday school and a religious school. So I'd heard these stories, Adam and Eve, and even, you know, Ruth and Boaz and Jonathan and David, their amazing friendship that they had. So I heard about all those, but to go back, I feel like I have a different appreciation as an adult who's walked through some of these things, you know, difficult relationships and, you know, hurting someone, they hurt you, how you work through that. And I just learned a lot more too about the reminders of God's love, how it's unconditional. He's not 
waiting for us to jump through any hoops there you know we can't earn it we can't you know get, lose it um so I, I always just have a rebirth kind of of my faith and i do see stories in a different way including you know adam and eve david and Bathsheba, all of the ones that you learn about as a kid i think you get different nuance as an adult well, there's love stories also in there that are not what we think of. I mean, loving children, God's a love story. God loves you in different ways. And, and there's complexities to that. And I think sometimes people feel like they turn away from God when they feel as though they've been punished by God or they're looked down upon by the religious community. But there's a there is a punishment, but that's also love, right? I mean, because you think about if you have children, you discipline them just because you want them to have boundaries and be successful adults and, you know, find out how to manage their emotions and everything else in life. I think about the New Testament. I'm so struck by Jesus. And when he encounters this woman who's been caught in adultery and all these men just want to stone her, you know, they're all about vengeance and judgment and let's get this over with. When he says to them wisely, he who's without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they drop their stones and they walk away till it's just Jesus and the woman. And he says to her, you know, where are your condemners? And she's like, they're gone. And he's like, I don't condemn you either. Like, go away from your sin. I'm going to speak truth to that. But like, I don't condemn you as a person. We see that with the woman at the well and the tax collector. Like he went to all these people that were outcasts of society um, and spoke truth to them. But, you know, just really was there to redeem them and wrap them in his love and in his acceptance. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And David and Bathsheba, their story mm -hmm. is, I mean, that's one of the most complicated ones, but also something that we see play out time and time again in life. And so really, when you talk about the Bible, people always say there's a story for everyone. There's a warning, there's a message, there's an explanation. It's all in there. But how do people reconcile the story of David and Bathsheba? Because some people have been in all different parts of that story and felt like that didn't end the, as well for them as it did for David and Bathsheba, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, you know, so people know a little bit of background story, you know, David, his men were off at war and for whatever reason he had stayed home. He had not led them into battle. So he's walking around one night on the top of the palace and he sees Bathsheba. And, you know, the telling of the story that I heard a lot as a youngster was that she was sort of this seductress and she knew he was watching. There's nothing in the scripture that says anything about that. Right. In fact, he was the one that was scheming. He found out she was married. He knew exactly who her husband was. And he came up with this whole plan to take her to the palace whether she was ever a willing participant or not on the front end, we don't know, but she became pregnant. And so then he has to scheme to get rid of her husband. First, he brings him home from battle, tries to get him to sleep with his wife so he can pass it off as his child, the husband's child. And the man has such great honor. He's like, no, 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 while the men are fighting, I'm not gonna go in to be with my wife. So then David eventually lines up a situation that gets that man killed. And so there's great judgment and trauma that comes from that because David and Bathsheba do get married, but their child doesn't survive. It is a very painful right. time. But what I love about that story is that we see David described as a man after God's own heart. So to know that you can mess up that badly and he didn't stay there, he went. And if you read Psalm 51, I love it. It's a beautiful place where he's begging for forgiveness and pouring out what he's done wrong. He doesn't brush it under the carpet and say, I made that mistake, let's move on. Like he takes responsibility for everything that happened and begs God to make him right in a sight which God gladly does. So if somebody can mess up that much and still be called someone after God's own heart, then I feel like there's hope for all of us. I think it's really telling because it shows you that that parent-child relationship is 
even stronger when it comes to God the Father and you the child, because it, you're really right when you talk about the fact that you can really mess up, but there's redemption. You can it, He's always welcoming you home. And I think that's so often the case with our children and we we go through struggles we see our children mess up we see our children make huge mistakes and yet we always are trying to welcome them home and help them through that for the most part that's how the family unit works and i think it sometimes is hard even for the parent and god is such a great model for that mm-hmm. he is because you know, we can, um, as we see in the Old Testament, it was the Israelites who often were breaking his heart and going away and then coming back in this cycle, begging him for help and forgiveness and coming back. And, you know, he continued to forgive them. And, you know, there's this story in the Old Testament that I include in the book, and it's a difficult one. It's Homer, the prophet, or excuse me, Hosea, the prophet, and Gomer, um, who was his wife that he married, that God told him, go marry this woman. Now, she was a woman of ill repute, whether that meant she just had sort of a history or whether she was actually some type of prostitute. I don't know. I mean, scholars differ on that, but he told him to marry her. So Hosea did that. And then she ends up being unfaithful and running away from him. And God is using it as a picture. Like we all want to be Hosea in the picture, but sometimes we're Gomer. I mean, we're the person who is running away. But Hmm. in that story, as difficult as it is to read, the end of it is redemption, buying us back, paying the price. I mean, um, Hosea went and got her out of her debts and her slavery and brought her home. And God didn't say, just bring her home and then you're done. I mean, he said to love her. And she, and he said that, I'm going to love you. This is a real marriage. And I think God does that for us, that when we're unfaithful and we get off track, he's always going to be in the position of redeeming and sacrificing and giving and paying our debts to bring us back. So you also have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. And the King Nebuchadnezzar saying, you know, I'm going to put you into the fire. You have to eat certain foods. You, You have to obey me. And they're always loyal to God. Mm-hmm. They are. They, they are willingly going to sacrifice themselves because they are so faithful mm-hmm. that they know whatever they face, that God is going to take care of them. But I think that you have to remember looking at the story, they really don't know mm-hmm. what they're going to face, but this is the ultimate faith, is it not? Yeah, you make such a good point because these were Hebrew young men that were taken away to Babylon to be in this kingdom for King Nebuchadnezzar. And listen, he saw them as young men who were smart and they were physically strong and he wanted to put them into service. And so they went through a lot of trials and training, but he was trying to also strip them of their Hebrew heritage. I mean, their language, their foods, all the things that gave them a cultural identity, but they were never going to abandon God. And, And they wouldn't eat the food that the king put before them, even though it was really good because, you know, in their heart, and minds, they knew that it had been offered to these false gods that they didn't ever want a part of. And God was still faithful that, you know, they were eating vegetables and water while these other, you know, trainees are getting the best food of, you know, everything that's been offered, the meats and the grains and the wine. And at the end of this test where they said, just let us do things our way, they turned out to be more fit, better looking, healthier, more ready to go into service with the diet that they felt had been faithful to God. And so they reached much more serious problems. Uh, as you mentioned, the fiery furnace, at one point Nebuchadnezzar had set up this giant idol and was like, whoever doesn't bow down to this, you could pay with your life. And so he finds out that they have it. They get called in. And I love what they say, because it gets to your point. They say, we know our God is powerful enough to save us, but even if 
He doesn't. Yeah. We will never bow down to these false gods and abandon our religion and our heavenly father. And so he throws them into that furnace. It's heated up so hot that the men who threw them in actually die. And then they come out without a hair singed on their head. They don't smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar has to acknowledge your God is the real deal. Yeah. I mean, I think that these are the stories that get us through, right? Whenever you go through a tragedy, and I've often said that I don't know how people that don't have faith get through things. I mean, having gone through cancer, that was really, that was my rock was to go through that with faith, with the word, with God by my side, uh, losing my dad, going through even the campaign, all of these things that you do, you do this with faith, but sometimes faith is overwhelming for people. Sometimes it's hard to either A, admit that you are not familiar with the Bible or B, step into a place where you can learn about the Bible without feeling like, oh, I'm going to be judged. I don't know as much as these people when you join a group, when you join a Bible study. So a book like this kind of gives you that peek in without the guilt, right? Yeah, I hope so. I, that's my great hope is that, listen, I'm not the author of these stories. I'm just sharing them and giving a little modern day context. But these are God stories in the Bible that I hope maybe somebody who's like, oh, boy, I don't even know where to start. What's the Old Testament? What's the New Testament? How does this all work? That if they'll pick up a book like Love Stories of the Bible Speak, they can read stories that they can relate to. I mean, the Bible is full of things that happen today. Infertility, widowhood, financial ruin, illness, the loss of a child. I mean, all of those things are in the Bible. So I hope that people will feel like, okay, this is something that's that's a little bit easier for me to understand. And maybe from that, they're thinking, I want to learn more about these stories or other sections of the Bible. So I'm hoping it will inspire and kind of pique the interest for them uh, to look at these stories in a new way if they already knew them. And if they don't, to say, I want to know more. So this is the third book. This is your third installment. You had women, you had mothers and daughters. You've shared all of these different relationships. What has been the feedback from the first two that you've received? You know what's so funny? I think when the first one came out, it was kind of in the process of COVID and people were very separated and anxious. And I think this felt hopeful to them. I mean, we had no idea the response was going to be what it was to these books that people feel like, okay, maybe I have a, a, a new lease on life with some of these stories. I've heard people do them in book clubs, whether that's a religious study, a Bible study at, you know, church, or if it's just in their neighborhood, they've done this with family or friends. I had a guy stop me two, three weeks ago in church to say, I just want to let you know, my men's group decided to do women of the Bible speak. Oh, wow. I know. He said, um, we wanted to do it as kind of a way to honor our moms and our wives and our daughters to learn a little bit more about the perspective of these women and these important stories in the Bible. I didn't even know what to say. It was like, Hallelujah. That's great. I love that anybody would study these books. They're for anyone and everyone, wherever you are in a faith journey or no faith, male, female, young, old. Um, I hope that there's something in there for everybody. How do you find that this, I mean, going through this, you're also at the same time reporting really tough news. Mm -hmm. So how does this keep you balanced? Because even this last story that we've heard coming out of Nashville mm -hmm. with the six people that died with the three kids, they're nine years old these are really hard stories to report on. They're really hard stories to talk about. It makes, gets me emotional just at the thought of this, you know, being a mom myself and having two nine-year-olds in my house. These are really hard things to comprehend. They're really hard things for kids, especially to comprehend. But as adults, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Right. And so we right. turn, 
we turn to the Bible, how do you find that writing these books has helped you in being able to report and connect with people? You know, it does remind me of God's goodness through really terrible circumstances um, that people have questions. I don't understand the waiting. I don't understand the disaster. I don't understand the why of this. We're human beings and that is going to happen. This world is full of evil. It is fallen and it is broken. And I'm just reminded through each of these books that God is working through stories. God is not unaware of suffering and he has a plan. It is very difficult for us when we are sitting in dark valleys. And I don't know about you and going through cancer. I know I've had physical problems. My husband is a brain tumor survivor. I mean, like there are tough places you go in life, sudden death of a loved one. Um, And in the middle of that, you wouldn't choose it. But I would say after the fact, and I was talking to a friend about this today, that's where my greatest spiritual maturity has happened. The closest sometimes that I felt to God is when I've been in the most emotional or physical pain. And he's faithful to be there through those things. And so each of these books reminds me of these stories and that our suffering is not um, hidden from Christ. In fact, Christ walked here among us and we know that we're told that he, we have a high priest in him that suffered in every way that we do. He was tempted. He certainly suffered physical and emotional pain. So I'm just encouraged by that, by these books that um, even in our worst places, God's there. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash tutor If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I started Bible study, a really heavy-duty Bible study in 2009. So my daughter was just six months old when I started this. And I really had not, I was that person. And maybe that's why I ask you about people who are intimidated because I'd been a Christian my whole life. But what did that mean if I hadn't really dove deep into the Bible, right? And so I had a friend say, oh, you should go to this Bible study. And the first day I went, she, the woman was like, this is homework every night. And then we have three hours every Wednesday that we meet and we have lecture. And then we talk about our, you know, what we've learned and you're going to end up finding out that certain friends weren't friends and your life will change and you'll face adversity and all these things. And honestly, I walked away thinking this sounds awful. Uh (laughs) I'm terrified of this, you know? And, and I went, but I I came home, my husband was like, well, so what did you think of Bible study? And I said, I mean, now I'm committed to it. I feel like I have to go, but I'm sort of terrified of it. But it really was going through that. And I was in that Bible study for seven years. And during that time, I did go through cancer. We lost a baby during that time, went through having twins, which was, it's, you know, a tougher pregnancy, all of those things. And it was such an amazing difference to have that faith journey alongside me at the same time and just knowing that God was there and knowing all of these stories, the stories that you are sharing in this book are some of the best ones to make you feel like you're not alone. Like God knows this. He he created this. He understands the chaos and there is a plan in the chaos because a lot of times when you're facing things, like you said, your husband had a brain tumor and, and going through cancer myself, you don't, you don't know. I mean, you can't see the future, but there's a peace. And I remember after going through all of that, we were in a Bible study at school or at church and with our small group. And one of the women in my small group at the time that we, one of the conversations in this book that we were talking about was you're going to face things and it's going to grow you in your faith. Your faith is going to get so much deeper once you go through tragedy. And I remember like the wall went up immediately and she said, I don't, I think my faith is deep enough. I don't want to go through tragedy. I'm good here on the mountaintop. This is good. I'll learn up here. Right, right. And and honestly, I think that that path, people are imperfect. The world is imperfect. We're all on a journey. And that path grows you in a way that you can interact with people differently. You can help people differently. I, I mean, how have you found that that has impacted you? Because I am one of those people that was really fearful at first. And I think that maybe this book would have helped me get there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, nobody wants to choose suffering. Nobody likes the idea that right. we're going to go through that. I mean, it is life. When you're younger, maybe it hasn't hit you yet. It's a little bit easier to be Pollyanna about things. Um, but once you've lived a little bit of life and right. suffered some loss and been hurt, you've hurt others, you've lost someone you love, whatever it is, um, suffering is a very real thing. Um, but what I find is that in this book, as you mentioned your Bible study group, I was thinking about this, is that when you do life together, like I cover friendships in this book along with the romantic, 
I was reminded of how those friendship bonds can in many cases be stronger than family or than blood because, yeah. you know, it's kind of friends are chosen family in some way. They'll hold us accountable, but they will be there in our deepest, darkest valleys. I read about Job and his friends in this book too, um, that when they showed up, Job was in such a mess. They themselves were mourning and sobbing as they approached him. When they saw him, they were so overwhelmed. But when they got there, they just sat there for seven days. Nobody said anything. And sometimes that's, that's what we need is the presence of other um, friends and believers to, to help us not to have all the answers, but just to show up. And um, I, I think the beauty of these friendships in the Bible has reminded me that community is so important and it's been ripped apart in a lot of ways for a lot of people during COVID felt very isolated. I was guilty of going yeah. to online church. I loved it. I could be in my robe. It was awesome. Um, but I really missed that connection of being with people. And I'm sure that your Bible study was a great um, place of security and a hope for you as you walk through all of those things. I mean, even being a young mom, I, I think that's something that you always think when I was a kid, I remember looking at moms and thinking they know everything because they're a mom, you yeah. know, and then you become a mom and you're like, wow, this is hard. And there's no handbook, you know, <laughs> so your best handbook great. is the Bible. And then you have friends around you. And so going through that, but all of the journeys that you see in the Bible, the Ruth and Naomi bond was always one that really struck me because here's a woman who bought, that was her family, but it was her chosen family, right? Yeah. She married into that family. And so that Ruth was her mother-in-law or Naomi, Naomi was her mother-in-law. And there were times when you see in that relationship that Naomi became pretty crabby, right? She was probably hard to be around. Right. She yeah. lost all of her sons. She'd lost her husband. And yet Ruth stays with her and look at the reward. Mm hmm that's such a great story. I love that story. And so I, in the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak, I did have Ruth and Naomi as, you know, chosen mother and daughter, you're the daughter-in-law. But the fact that that Ruth was so selfless when she could have gone and started her own family, but decided I'm staying with Naomi, they were in poverty. I mean, these were women who didn't have protectors. They didn't have providers, but in her humility, Ruth goes with Naomi, they go home to Naomi's homeland. So Ruth's now an outsider. And she's reduced to just going in the fields and gleaning after the professionals had come through and harvested whatever there was. And she happens to be, I don't think there are any coincidences with God, gleaning in the field of Boaz, right. who was the successful man who saw her great character. And he applauds her for her, her humility and her honor and her nobility in serving her mother-in-law. They end up getting married. Um, and through them, the lineage of Christ comes to be. So Ruth, this outsider, gets a second chance at love, this widowed woman. And Naomi has great joy in this grandson that is born. And the people of the village who are saying, this daughter of yours is worth more than seven sons to you, which in that day, the sons were the thing. They're going to carry on your right. name. But there was such beauty in Ruth and Boaz coming together and having this baby that then winds up in the line of Christ. And there's a lot of lesson in the mentions in the Bible, too, because Ruth wasn't alone. She had a sister-in-law. That sister-in-law leaves. So we don't hear anything more about her, but we know that there was a reason she left. She felt that she was going to be able to have a better life, not sticking around. She could see, she could foresee enough that being with Naomi was not going to be a good sentence for them because they were in poverty. What does that say about the lesson of staying? Mm -hmm. Because you see Ruth stick with her. And like you said, 
they are poor. There is no, she doesn't see that she will be with Boaz. She doesn't see that she will get this praise. She, there's a time when they say that Naomi becomes very bitter and she stays. It's such a hard thing to stay when you think, gosh, this could be the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But the lesson in the people that that disappear is huge too. Mm -hmm. It is. And even though we wouldn't blame her, this was a woman who in that day um, to go and start another family with another young husband would have made sense. I mean, what didn't make sense is what Ruth did, which was so selfless to go with Naomi into this poverty. But sometimes you miss the biggest blessings. And I know sometimes this friend I was talking to today about being in suffering and she's like, I have to fight myself not to pray like, Lord, please get me out of this. Please let this Mm. be over. And when you're in a lot of pain, that's going to be your prayer sometimes. But she said, you know, help me to walk through it. That's the prayer I'm trying to get to is to help me walk through it. I think about difficult times in my marriage. And I'm like, if you've been married for five minutes, you need a counselor. Like you're going to, you're going to, no matter how well-intentioned you both are as, you know, if you're both Christians or whatever faith you share or whatever you put as the glue to your relationship, you're going to have difficulties. And I think about a particularly rough time that my husband and I had, and we were reminiscing about it on a car trip not long ago. Like we wouldn't want to go through that again. But we're like, oh my goodness, all this richness and blessing on the other side of this because we both somehow found the strength to stay and fight and figure this thing out. And I think that's the same lesson with Ruth pledging to Naomi. I mean, it was a moral obligation, not a legal one, but she felt like to stay and to fight for their safety and fight for this relationship and try to get them through this difficult time. I think there's great reward in doing that. And sometimes we miss the blessing um, when we're discouraged and it's hard to hang on. And, And maybe that's why the Bible is intimidating, because the stories that we create are, my friend calls it movie love. Oh, you, you think you have movie love and then, you know, you never see what happens after the movie's over and then movie love stops because love is not perfect. And the Bible is that awkward place where it shows you what the imperfect is and how, how much disaster can come of it, but there are lessons to be learned. And so if you can get past that intimidation of going through and, and seeing yourself, and I think that that can be hard too, when you read the Bible and you're like, Oh, that's me. Yeah. I feel a little conviction there. (laughs) Right. right. Mm -hmm. That's when you know, like it's really penetrating your heart. I mean, when I pray in the morning and I sit down to read and journal, which helps me a lot of times I have praise and worship music on in the morning, just trying to know what we're walking into in the world every day, but to kind of set those foundations. But a lot of times I'll pray, like at least make me willing to fight some of these sins or temptations that come in Mm. my heart and my mind. It's not just um, you know, help me do this and solve that or whatever, like make me willing to actually feel the conviction, accept it, see where I can get better and then show me how to do that. And that is hard in the world of media. It's hard in the world of politics. I mean, I think that was what was the most challenging is that you stick with the convictions when you are running for office, you are able to hold to what you believe is right because there's so many I remember when I first started running and I really had I don't even know if I had announced yet it might have just been the beginning I was talking to people about it and one of our legislators as I walked out of his office he said don't let it seduce you Mm. and I thought ew gross what kind (laughs) of a comment is that (laughs) and then as I got further along and I started to see some of the things that were happening in government. I was like, oh man, it really can. It really, there are people who get taken away by these things and you can very easily be 
convinced to give up what is important to you because there's so much pressure to say, no, be on this side, be on that side. You'll, you'll get this if you do that, you know, give, and people are picking away at your soul. And I assume that the media is somewhat similar. So I think that it's just so amazing to have someone like you who is in that environment all the time, be focused on making sure people can read about this. I feel really blessed in so, so many ways on all those different fronts. Um, but the fact that Fox came to me with this idea, you know, three years ago or so to say like, hey, would you want to write about something in this space about women and religion? And now it's morphed into love stories, we're letting the guys get in on it too. Um, I just feel really grateful to be at a place that, you know, recognizes our viewers, our people of faith, um, that most Americans identify as having a faith and believing in God. And that rather than mock or belittle them, um, we should, you know, reach out to them, encourage them saying like, listen, there's a lot of work to do in this world. Christ calls us to be servants. He says the first will be last, the last will be first. So everything that Jesus talked about was radical in those days, but it really is now too, because it's against everything that the world tells us about looking out for ourselves, being about ourselves, doing what's right in our own eyes. And so, like you said, I mean, to stick to your convictions. And I think there are a lot of amazing people who come to Washington and they have great intentions. And some of them are really steady and they really hold on. But others do get, as you said, seduced um, by the power and the fact that, well, I've got to make this little compromise here, but it's going to lead me to a greater platform where I can do more good over here. So we all have to be judging our motives. And I, I pray about that, that the Lord helped me to honestly see my motives in every situation. Well, and I think that it's important that we are able to talk about this, that you were able to write this because it brings people back. You never know when you're talking about something, when you're sharing a testimony, a faith experience with other people that they get convicted or that they say, wow, there are no coincidences. Wow, God was really there for me, or God really has a plan for me, or I need to check myself and get back into the word of God or focus, refocus my priorities because it's really hard in certain cases to be a servant leader. We have so many leaders out there right now, and it's easy to put yourself ahead of God and books like this bring people back. And I just hope that we were able to share some light, some of God's light with people today and that they will go out and get the book. The book is called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Where can they get it? Anywhere. If you like Amazon, if you like Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, um, foxnewsbooks.com will point you in the right direction. It should be anywhere and everywhere. Awesome. And you can, of course, watch Shannon Bream on Fox News and Fox News Sunday. Just so you know, we love it. I mean, I love that you you're such a shining example of a strong female role model for kids, for for women, for for men. Honestly, when I was running, one of the hardest things was that people struggled with the fact that I had kids, struggled with the fact that I was running, struggled with the fact that I was a woman. And I love that you go out and do the Sunday show. It's so meaningful to me and we love watching you. So everyone else, please make sure you watch her because you are a very special lady. Thank you so much. I hope, you know, people see my heavenly father above anything else. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there and join me next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. 
two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash tutor. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.